With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Evening, gents. Uh, week four. Uh, how are we both, Simon? First. Yes, I'm very good, thank you, mate. Um, I'm a bit, I'm a bit woolly today, actually. Me and Huge uh, got stuck into a bit of a Zoom call last night, which didn't end till late. And I looked in the call bag this morning to find two empty bottles of white wine. So um, <laughs> that maybe explained the headache, but the. Uh, the old Big Smoke Brewery, the old Mango and Passion Fruit Pale, is um, doing a job, I feel. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. Brilliant. I'm in the same boat as Simon, a little bit hungover this morning. Oh, as I say this morning, it's evening now. It feels like I've slept most of the day away. Um, just to try and recover to make sure that we can uh, look fairly decent. And, and yeah, I suppose the other, the other thing is slightly disappointed in South Africa's performance which we'll talk about a little bit later, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Simon mentioned it. We've been incredibly lucky to acquire a, a, a new partner. Um, I, similar to Simon, I'm, I'm drinking the... Uh, you may have seen me... Um, I put something on social media about it when the, the partnership started last week, but uh, Big Smoke Brewery have been kind enough to um, agree to keep us watered, uh, in a sense, while we are putting the podcast together which is incredibly kind and they have also offered all of our uh, listeners a code uh, to action should they want to get involved uh, that is use the code slogging it um if you want to sample some of their wares it is amazing they do a lot of different craft ales and beers and, and whatever you their own craft gins and stuff um we've been very lucky as a three ball to uh to, to sample some of them so far, but uh, <laughs> you can't say things like that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, it's absolutely fantastic stuff. So uh, my two personal favourites are the passion fruit and mango, and also the lemongrass. So uh, that's just my opinion. But uh, yeah, do check them out. Um, another partnership that you you will have noticed, no doubt, is we've got some merch very early on because obviously we expect this to go viral and. 
we're going to, uh, you know, everybody's going to want to, to get involved in this. A company called One Stitch Beyond have uh, kindly sent us some uh, different bits and pieces, some samples. So I think moving forward, we will start to start to um, maybe branch out into this. But they're lovely, aren't they, gents? They are, they are. Very nice. Yeah, we need to check that they do do sizes below extra large. Um because I don't think any of us three are getting into anything below that. So we'll do a bit of uh, consumer checking for, for the listeners. I might have to get the, uh, might have to ask for a, a small one for the wife because she quite likes this one. So uh, I'm sure that might get me in the good books that the 2 a.m. Zoom finish with the huge last night got me, uh, <laughs> yeah. got me out of. I was uh, I was talking to Jim about these actually. They, they, these these hoodies that you can see on 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 the video obviously are, are quite cool. Um, we're currently wearing the yellow ones. There's there's other ones though. There's ones that come in green, pink, orange, red, all sorts of weird and wonderful colours with the strings in the inside. So yeah, um, look out on the on the website for for the merch when as and when we start um, putting it up there. Absolutely. Um, we we aren't doing this for our own commercial gain. Obviously, these are these are non-paid partnerships. Uh, they are very much partnerships rather than commercial relationships. Just to to point that out. Um, the other relationship that we obviously have and is very um, very close to what we're trying to do is to well, just having us, um, as you know, every week we promote the text number, which is the ability to donate three pounds to the charity by texting tabs one one. Two seven zero three three one. That will be a three pound text donation. Uh, please do make sure you are at least sixteen and have the bill payers permission before doing so. Um, but do check them out. Um, they're, they're an amazing charity, and uh, yeah, check out what, what the, the great work that they do. Uh, and it'd be great if you decided to get involved and support them. Um, on to this week in cricket. Um, loads to cover. I mean. England, South Africa, the first game finished half an hour ago. Johnny Bairstow, I mean, the man that just, every time he gets bumped around the order or he gets dropped and then comes back in, he's like, right, two fingers up to you guys. I'm gonna, and yet again, he has proven that he needs to be in that side. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the England top six, they may as well just, they, they could make it more interesting to decide the batting order. They could try making it like a first sprint to the crease. You start off naked and then you've got to get into full kit live on camera and then the first two out there win those opening the batting. And, and <laughs> we are very blessed as an England cricket side and England cricket followers to have six. And then if you look at some of the other guys that aren't in the squad, never mind the side that aren't getting a game we are very lucky with that at the minute we we've got quite a good unit it looks like so yeah it's a strong start Bairstow did what Bairstow does just wins games of cricket doesn't he it just seems in England they've got five or six well six seven eight of them that can do that both with bat and ball so what were your thoughts on South Africa huge yeah, I, I don't really want to talk about that. It was a, it was a pretty woeful performance, unfortunately. Um, it was going really well until poor old Hendricks bowled that over that went for 28 and bowled a wide that I don't think um, second slip would have got a hand on it. It almost missed the pitch. It was so, it was so wide. You missed the cut stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, you can imagine hit the cut stuff. He missed <laughs> the cut stuff. I was about to say, you can imagine Big Steve sat somewhere up in Durham just like going... Brilliant. At least that's worth <laughs> mine. Um, but I mean, I think the 
I don't think Ben Stokes' contribution should be underplayed tonight. I think that that yeah. partnership over 50 between him and Bairstow, that Ben Stokes, again, just continues to do what England need him to do every time they need him to do it. Like, those two absolutely turn that innings and that game back into England's favour, right? Yeah. I think that... I mean, Bairstow's just got the ability to adapt to whatever he does. Like whatever, wherever he's asked to bat, wherever he's asked, whether he's keeping, whether he's fielding, he just grabs it and runs it. It's it's really good seeing. I think it we when people start talking about stats in the future and and in 10, 15 years time when we're looking back at Ben Stokes's stats, for example, and his stats will never do him justice. He could be sitting there averaging almost fifty in Test cricket. He could be sitting there averaging 50-plus in one-day cricket if he was just playing in a way that he wanted to sort of free himself. But he doesn't. He wants to win games of cricket. And that, for me, is... like People talk about the Headingley not last year when he had two off 45 balls the day before and then all of a sudden starts going... This England side have just got an ability to adapt, which we can't say we've had, really... Um, even even with the one day side, you you saw at the start of the tournament last year when the wickets weren't flat and belters, they were struggling a bit. But they over the tournament they adapted and they found a way to win games. So it's it's a special time to be an England cricket fan at the minute. I think when you're talking about Hendricks, there obviously Tom Curran bowled an over that went for 24 in the first innings, and people yeah. were going, "Oh my, God, that's." And then I, I couldn't quite believe. I mean, because Hendricks. Sean Pollock on commentary was talking about the fact that he'd have gone to Hendricks at the death because he's got this amazing back-of-the-hand slower ball that he'll bang into the pitch. Um, but, I mean, for whatever reason, it just went terribly wrong. Like, Lungi and Gidi bowled one over that went for four in the 18th, and then he, he went for 10 to lose the game the first two balls of the 20th. Like, um, it was a real nip-and-tuck game. Like, I mean, I was downstairs watching it with Lisa. Uh, obviously, you two know it's my wife. Um, and obviously Simon and I were there at the Newlands test in, in January um, getting far too drunk on brutal fruit and castle lager um, but I mean the thing that struck me about seeing Newlands is A I think it's the most incredible place as we spoke about um, last week on here it, just to, to watch cricket but it felt really, really weird to look at the Oaks Grass Bank and the rest of the stadium completely empty because you're just used to seeing it as being, you know, full of fans from being all over the world because the the you know that is like a destination where people love to go and watch cricket being played. Yeah, it's sad to see the the. I suppose it's you know it's every stadium that you look at at the moment they're all empty at the moment and yeah, it was really interesting. One thing I did take from that though is is without the crowds, you hear the bat on ball and the swishes a lot more. Uh, Bairstow, when he had a couple of those ones that he tried to hit into back to the UK, basically, that, that wind that that bat generated when he was swinging was unbelievable. But yeah, I suppose that's why the ball goes as far as it does. Um, yeah, it, it's sad to see, but at the same time, I suppose it's at least we get to watch it on the TV, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um Australia and India also happened today. I, you know, what yeah. I, I didn't, get much chance to follow that i think you had a look at that one you yeah i did it was interesting it was a well first of all i thought they were playing on a highway with the amount of runs that were scored i mean it was 370 plays 308 so 
very, very high r- uh, run scoring game. Poor, poor bowlers obviously went and fetched uh, a lot of leather. Um, and yeah, I suppose the main leather exporter in the game was Steve Smith. I mean, you know, what, what can't this guy do? You look at, uh, you look at the, the innings that he played and it was interesting. I, I read an article saying um, he'd, he'd found what was going wrong and it just clicked and he was back in form. And I was like, what does that mean? And then you go and look at the, you know, the hundred and what was it? 105 or 66 balls that he scored. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, great game of cricket. You got to feel for Stoinis. Um, you look at the top five, all scoring big runs, and there's old Marcus Stoinis got a first baller. So, uh, yeah, obviously he was coming back to the bo- lads in the hut saying, it's doing all sorts out there, lads. You could feel for him. <laughs> yeah, he, but yeah. then you remember he's Australian. Exactly, so exactly, you yeah. You don't feel for him again. Yeah. And then I suppose, you know, looking at the Indian innings, um, you know, that, that, that was slightly propped up by by Hardik Pandya, um, you know, scoring his 90 off. Not many balls either, but you know, when you got Adam Zamper in your side, you're going to win most games, in my opinion. He's a he's probably one of the best leg spinners in world cricket at the moment. He's a rare he's unit, hair. as they call him. He's got dreadful hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's there's two things. Like Marcus Stoinis has obviously sat well and truly on the dock of the bay while the boat just sails off into the distance. Steve Smith and Fincher sunning themselves on that boat and Stoinis is there with his suitcase <laughs> in the wash um, and Steve Smith there was a report saying he'd found his hands yeah that was what the report said I mean I don't I'm, again I'm not a batting connoisseur so to speak I do a bit of coaching every now and then but I thought just looking at the end of your arms might meant he started uh, <laughs> scoring a few a bit faster but um, yeah I mean he's a lovely bloke as well isn't he that's the good thing about Steve Smith yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll come on to that now. I mean, so the other thing that's been announced this week, um, and just from our chat before, you two evidently vehemently disagree with me here. Um, but the, the, the Cricketer of the Decade uh, nominations or nominees have been announced. Um, and I remember hearing this on Sky Sports, uh, you know, the, the usual names you'd expect, Kane Williamson, Coley, uh, De Villiers. But the one that really stuck in my mind was Steve Smith. And for my money, regardless of whether I'm English and he's Australian, I don't care about that. I don't, it, that doesn't make no odds to me. I, I'm just really surprised that given what happened, regardless of whether it was Warner that put it all together or not, I think considering the ban that, that they went through, I, I, I was just incredibly surprised, regardless of the weight of runs, um, that he, he, he got that nomination. But you two, you two think that, you know, just based on uh, his batting and his captaincy over, you know, the, the period, that, that's justified, right? Uh, not on his captaincy. I don't think he's a very good captain. Um, but he's the best batter in the world for me, as like I say, as much as he's Australian and whatever else, he is the best batter in the world, comfortably, for me. I think Williamson and Coley... Second and third, there was at one point when Root was in that kind of big four debate. Uh, he's there's a lot of players that you can put around fourth for me in that. Whether it be, I think Ben Stokes is a better player than Joe Root, to be honest. Better batter now. Um, uh, so for me, Steve Smith wins it because he scored more runs than anyone else in this. Well, I believe he has. That's me saying a fact that I don't know as a fact. But 
even with his ban, he's still got to have scored just up there in the runs chart with everyone. And then you've got Kaylee and Williamson. The one that does me is the lack of the lack of bowlers in it. Like you, people like Jasper Bumra don't get a mention on it. And like we, I know we had a joke earlier about. Um, I think there's one. Let me just have a quick look. There's there's one bowler on it, which is R Ashwin. And why have people stopped calling him Ravi? By the way. Maybe his dad asked him not to. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, yeah. But it's a good job, that you, after you've just slated him, that we haven't let Rooty into the Zoom call yet, isn't it? Luckily, he's still oh, on mute. I'm not slating him. <laughs> I'm joking. I think he's a very good player, but... He's, and he's England, one of England's top two or three batters. But I don't think he's... He's in the same league as Coley and Smith and... Williams for me. I think I think I think most people would agree with that at, at this at this point. Um, so yeah, but look, that's it. Is it? We will find out the winners uh, of that in in due course. Um, so yeah, we we I think we'll all be quite excited about that. I you know um, it's funny, isn't it? Like Ab de Villiers again. We were talking about this before. Like he's now having you know basically retired after that 2015 World Cup. I think he played a few more games after that, but. You know, due to political reasons, that we're led to believe. But um, he's obviously just been such a global phenomenon in terms of the franchise game. He doesn't play international cricket anymore, but I think he's still one of the most exciting players in the world to watch. Um, oh. You know, he, he's probably other other than uh, Toby Tarrant, the only three hundred and sixty degree uh, batter in the world, right? Well. <clears throat> you look at it, you look at it. His last match was in uh, February of 2018. That was when he's, I just had a quick look now when his last ODI oh, was. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, not not too long away, which is why I think, you know, you guys you guys didn't mention him there in your top three or top four. My perspective, I still think he's one of the, the best cricketers um, oh, going I around. I, I don't think there's, I, you know, maybe Stokes, um, but I, I think... Stokes has almost over time become a bit more measured, but has still got that absolute brutality in shot making. Um, whereas I just think every time I went to I went to Lords to watch AB play in a, for Middlesex in a T20 a couple of years back, uh, get many. But just the, when he walked out to the middle, it's like everybody in the ground's going, "Oh my God, AB's come out!" Like you know, can't wait for the fireworks. And I don't think there's many, maybe gales like that. Uh, AB certainly like that, so I think it. You know, it, it, I think he's probably still for me the most exciting batsman in the world. Yeah, and and hopefully he's going to be playing. You know, there's there's talk. I mean, there's talk of him playing again. It was brought up in commentary on the T20 today, whether he's actually yeah. going to come back and play. Um, I'd love to see him back playing international cricket. One because obviously it'll strengthen South Africa's batting lineup, which which is great. But yeah. I mean, he just pulls crowds, man. You know, you, you look yeah. at you look at the the way he bats and how much how many runs he scored for RCB in the IPL. And it's a pity he's not playing in um, in the Big Bash this year. But I suppose given the current circumstances, and you know, he's focused on his family, which is which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the future. But like, you look at this, the side South Africa could pick when I'm sure we'll do a review of this series and you look at the players that have retired for whatever reason they've retired. I mean you sort of looked at like Hashi Mamma last year for Surrey. Just runs for fun. Yeah. Right? 
absolute runs for fun. You look at people like Abbott down at Hampshire, you look at these guys, and I, I mean, huge, I'm sure you're far more aware of the political situation, but that goes off and we can be kind of blissfully unaware of the ins and outs of it. And it's almost to the point where I don't think I'm, I have a valid opinion on it. Um, but it's just a shame that these guys aren't playing international cricket and you're not seeing them on these biggest stages. Yeah, there's no there's no politics. Don't worry, that's the best side we can put up. That's the easiest way of answering that question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so finally, in a minute, we we will be going to um, Eugene and I uh, today interviewed Mark Lane, uh, who will be the um, the the guest for for this podcast, which is amazing. So we look forward to to playing you that in a minute. Uh, but before we do that, I think we should absolutely go back to uh, last week. Uh, last week's podcast which it was actually because we're recording this on Friday it was released yesterday but um, Simon the, the reaction to your story and your episode talking about what you went through I think has blown us all away hasn't it in terms of the yeah. reactions that we received and the positive messages and I know that you've had a, a number of people who you've never met before including a friend of mine uh, reach out to you to to kind of discuss your story, but then also kind of open up about stuff that they're going through as well, right? Yeah, it's obviously that's the reason we we do this, or, or I do this, and we do this as a as a group is because we want to try and help people. And if I just want to say a massive thank you to the people that have listened to it, the people that have sent me messages. Um, I try and respond to each and every one of them. Um, I make my way through it, so. I will get there, but it's 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 humbling and people saying sort of thanks for what you're doing and um, they didn't know and that kind of emphasises the point of what what we were trying to do with it is trying to get people talking so people are more aware. Um, so yeah, I just want to say a massive thank you basically to to the people that are listening and and reiterate the point that if people want to speak to me, like you say, John, I, I, I bloke send me a message on Twitter um yesterday just a really nice message bit of a chat here and then and then they've been going through some tough times and 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 they said it helped so my aim of trying to help one person i mean i don't know whether you two want to keep me on this for a long because i've achieved my aim i think in uh, helping <laughs> one person. but um well, i hope i have um but yeah just keep keep the messages coming now uh, like i say i i do i've I'm making a point of trying to respond to them all um and certainly everyone that wants to get in touch about anything just just give us a shout like in, info at sloggingit.co.uk which is a little bit like code.uk for people that don't know that um just send us send us whatever you want to send us um off nude photos that'd be weird uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. None of none of them. And on that point, um, here is a note from our um, uh, our charity sponsorship, uh, the Lord's Taverners, and then from there into the um, interview with Mark Elaine. The Lord's Taverners is the UK's leading youth cricket and disability sports charity. We break down barriers and empower disadvantaged and disabled young people to fulfil their potential and build life skills. Our cricket programmes support some of the most marginalised and at-risk young people in the UK, using sport and recreation to build links and encouraging groups to play sport together. 
We tackle issues such as knife crime, unemployment, radicalization, and also isolation, something we are all feeling right now. Last year, our programmes impacted the lives of more than 12,000 young people and, with your support, will help even more in the future. Find out more and make a donation at lordstaverners.org and help us to continue our life-changing work. Thank you. Brilliant. So uh, this week we have uh, Mark Lane, MBE, uh, joining us on Slogging It. Uh, Mark, welcome. Thanks for agreeing to do this. Hi, hi. Good afternoon. Um, great to have you with us. Um, we obviously, there's quite a few of these, you know, podcasts and, and video blogs or vlogs or, you know, young, young people know what to call them. That's passed me by. Uh, and you've done a couple over the, the, the summer. So as we said earlier, I think we're going to try and shape this slightly differently as to what people may have heard you talk about uh, to keep it fresh and, and relevant, if you like. So um, Captain C being one of the world's great master magician tacticians is something that I'm really interested to talk to you about um, and also your, your playing career a little bit towards the end so um, from, from early on something that I've picked up by talking to people about you and, and hearing some of the stuff that you've done it's like you've had a natural aptitude for captaincy like success right from the start at under 15s level. Yeah that's right so um, I, I had a real sobering thought about captaincy um, because with the build-up, I think you're expecting to hear it's all kind of really scientific and, um, you know, amazing. But the, the truth is the real <clears throat> kind of nuances of, of captaincy is about just being consistent, um, really understanding the people around you and uh, trying to get the best out of them. And to be honest, it is the people around you that because they give you the benefit of the doubt when you make a decision, they make it work. When yeah. you lose that trust, you know, that's when you've got to work really hard as a captain. So, um, yes, I felt as though I really lived and breathed the game. And uh, I sometimes felt a couple of steps ahead of where we were meant to be. But, it, you know, without the guys around you trying to execute that in the way they did, you know, they're the ones that make you look a little bit good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned being a couple of steps ahead. Something that I have heard you talk about before is working about around off the ball stats. So there'll yep. be that, that will mean nothing to a lot of people. So can you kind of just give the 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 um, the, the wider listeners, I guess, a view into what that means? Okay, so um, I guess in sporting terms, I think sometimes you hear it in football. Um, you know, a football in a 90-minute game might only have the ball for, for three, three and a half minutes. That's an awful lot of the game left. Yeah. Twiddling your thumbs. Of course, they're not twiddling their thumbs. They're, they're trying to affect the game in another way. Uh, so very similarly in cricket, you know, um, there, there are only so many balls you face, so many balls you bowl. Um, so it's all about can you affect the game when you're not directly in play? And the more people that can do that, the more impact you're going to have as a team. So, yeah, we, we did focus a lot on kind of what we call phase two fielding, um, you know, creating different angles, giving batters different things to look at, to think about. And um, is there any one specific thing that makes a difference? It's, it's just a combination of, of it all yeah. that helps put the, the batting side in particular under a bit more pressure 
make worse decisions and make the, 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 make the job a bit easier for the bowlers. Do you think that, I mean, I think there's that fielding position that seems to have come in in the last kind of 10 or 15 years, maybe slightly longer, maybe you ought to thank for it. Like, that's that idea of saving two. Yeah. So rather than just boundary riding, then you, you know, 10 or 15 yards off to create that pressure almost, to, because to, to force a run out is by creating doubt in the batsman's yeah. mind, right? Yeah. And also what it does, I mean, if you're not scoring maybe as efficiently as you ought to, it does make you take slightly bigger risks to to catch it up. And as we know, the more risks the batters take, the more vulnerable they become. So, you know... I don't <laughs> anyway, to be honest. I, I'm at I'm at massive risk to myself whenever I've got a bat in my hand, whether it's in the nets or out in the middle, to be honest. Yeah. So um yeah, it's it's about yeah, um kind of man- managing the game, I think, um what you were saying. So um when we, to go back to captaincy again slightly, so I've um I, I've captain sides and found it quite difficult. So as someone who considers themselves as quite a people-orientated person, something that I really found difficult was the management of relationships within that because you are friends Monday to Friday. Yeah. I felt this incredible sense of um, wanting my mates to enjoy their Saturday. And then almost if they're not taking part as much as maybe they'd like, I'd found that put a lot of pressure onto me. Maybe that's different from the amateur game to the professional game, but have you got any advice for captains on how to kind of go about managing that process? Um, Well, yes. Uh, I touched on it earlier um, in terms of uh, those relationships, kind of building that consistency with with people. And, um, you know, um, when you do make a decision, they're not taking it personally. Yeah. They trust that you're doing it for the benefit of that group. And yes, for that split second, it might be a little bit hurtful if you're not bowling the next over. But you soon realise, right, what's my next job? So yeah. you almost, you know, like a, a small child, you've got to keep stimulating them, right? You've got something else to do here. We haven't got time to worry about, you know, whether you're bowling the next over or not. You need to be saving two at fine leg. Yeah. Or you need to be, you, you know what I mean? So keep... Um, activating them all the time, making sure that every single thing they're doing is is worthy of uh, of being out there. And yeah. I think that trust builds up quite quickly um, uh, over a period of time. I remember, um, so I, I've always been not not huge, but you know, big enough, a bit bumbly around. You know, never never quick enough to field at backward point or yeah. covers or whatever. And I remember one of the coach when I was at Wimbledon was a guy called Sean Davies, who you'll have played against him probably 99. Um, He was playing for Zimbabwe at the time. Um, And he always said to me, no matter whether you pick it up cleanly or not, the intent of getting to the ball as quickly as you can is what can, as you say before, like effectively direct a run out and stuff like that. These little, I guess, captaincy and coaching, which we'll obviously come on to because that's part of what you do. It's those little mental cues, isn't it, to get people to think in a certain different way to, to kind of get the best out of what they can offer. That definitely right. I mean, that um, when a batter hits the ball, if he senses that you're already reacting, he's now going to ch- maybe change his mind 
in, in his call. So he doesn't, he's changing his mind before he knows whether you pick it up or not. <laughs> and in fact, sometimes a fumble is quite useful because he might change his mind again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, being bad at fielding could be quite confusing and quite useful at times. <laughs> Never run on a misfield, <laughs> I guess. Um, obviously, I, I, I spoke, as I said to you earlier, I spoke to Owen Dawkins um, through a mutual friend. Um, he referred to you as the most amazing mind he has ever known in cricket. Um, he said, tactically, the most astute cricketer he's ever known. Um, did you, I mean, as all players do, I think, regardless whether it's professional or amateur, you have a sense of when your playing career is probably coming to an end. Did you all, I mean, how long before that you did actually finish playing, did you have a kind of one eye on kind of badges and coaching? I know you were doing a Masters as well, yeah. right? Yeah, so it's amazing how that kind of happens because at the time when you're a captain and when you're doing it, you don't necessarily see yourself as kind of masterful and, and, and all this stuff. In, in a lot of ways, you assume that everyone else is thinking just like you. Yeah. Um, I, I never felt as though I need to guide people through a certain process. Um, um, so I, I never felt that masterful in that respect. Um, looking back in hindsight, um, but even after every game, uh, that I was good at reviewing how, not just whether I scored runs or took, taken wickets, I, I reviewed my decisions in the game always. Okay. And, um, you know, even when, when things went right, I think, hmm, could I have done that slightly differently? And I know a lot of people are encouraged to do this, but I, I think... That is where my detail was in my captaincy. Um, and I always kind of tried to evolve it uh, every day. Never got bored of it. And cricket really lends itself to that. I mean, yeah. so many different things can happen. It's just like a, I'm like a kid in a play shop when you walk onto a field. I mean, you know, anything can happen. And, uh, and that's the exciting bit. I guess if you can take that much enjoyment out of what you're doing. I mean, look, people become professional sports people because they, they love it, obviously, in an incredible amount, but have worked hard enough to, to kind of realise that dream, I guess. And to hear you yeah. say that you love the kind of backroom uh, side of yeah. captaincy as well, that you know, obviously lends itself to, uh, very well to, to coaching. Um, I, I'm interested to know, obviously, the World Cup campaign for England in 2015, Australia and New Zealand, yeah. was an absolute, unmitigated disaster. <laughs> um, however, it couldn't have been more opposite last year. And, yeah. you know, you've obviously had a part to play in that. Uh, Andrew Strauss, you know, yeah. wanting you involved in that. Can you talk us through that? I mean, because that must make you, I mean, immeasurably proud as, as an Englishman, to have played for to England to now have been able to help shape the that World Cup winning side. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the major thing, and it was quite obvious that it was a disaster. So maybe discovering that it was wasn't that major a thing. But sometimes people don't act immediately on it. And the good thing that Strauss did is that he did. And um he got a, a good group of us together, um, you know, including uh, Ashley Giles, Triscothic, Collinwood, Michael Vaughan. And his, he was thinking four years down the line, how are we going to win this World Cup? 
and yeah. everything was talked about on turn, dug up. And it was great just to give um, an insight into, you know, how how we should think, how other teams are thinking, their build up to the tournament. Yeah. And it is such um, a nice thing to see that play out into a, a trophy winning conclusion, really. And yeah. Yeah, it was very satisfying to, I mean, the guys played extremely exciting cricket leading up to that. And then the final is just, you couldn't, oh. <laughs> you couldn't dream about that kind of final. I mean, I know, yeah. Yeah. I, I still talk about it here at, um, at Marlborough College. I mean, it was, it was just, had a little bit of everything. In fact, one of the moments I talk about a lot um, was the, um, and it wasn't touched on much, um, I think Santner was down at Long On and he had a chance of tr throwing to the keeper's end. Wrong end, he threw to the wrong, wrong end. end. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he would have replayed that millions of times thinking, why don't I just bounce it across the square, Stokes is out, yeah. New Zealand would then be favourites quite comfortably. Uh, and yeah. they chose not to, so... It's that very much split second thing, though, isn't it? You make yeah. a decision, you know, and, and you kind of live or die by it, I guess. I mean, I was thinking the other day um, with Jason having misfielded yeah. two balls before in that super over. I mean, that would have played through his mind mm. a million times in that split second before he then put. And the way that people deal with it, I mean, we didn't. I mean, obviously, the, the side that we've, that I say we, is that England yeah. have currently. Brilliant, but we haven't just discovered a, a team of fantastic cricketers. Even in 2015, no. we had some phenomenal players playing the game for us. I would just wonder: is it a mentality shift? You know, what what are the big reasons behind it? Well, yeah, the mentality did shift. I mean, I, I played one day cricket for England at a time one day internationals were tucked on the back of a Test series. Yeah, the the guys involved were tired, fatigued thinking, oh gosh, I can't believe we've got to play another series. Uh, and people like me who come out just for it, trying to get them going and get yeah. enthused for the series, where now the attitude to a one-day international is much different yeah. um, for, for starters. And then um, I think the skills have been kind of really multiplied in terms of what's required to be brilliant at what you do. Okay. Um, and the guys have got some really good cricketers in there that can, I mean, I think I read something about Morgan. I, this is more T20, I know, but he's, he just don't know what his side's going to be because for the first time, we've got so many great players challenging for the same position and it's a wonderful place to be. I think we, we talked uh, last week, just touching on the IPL and we were saying about, you know, how proud we all are of the England captain because of, you know, he's now taking this almost his experience of, of captaincy and, you know, he's, he's kind of, not maverick, but, you know, yeah. like he's, he does change things up and yeah. to get the captaincy away from Dinesh Kartik um, halfway through the IPL. Yeah. We, we decided that it was because the owners didn't like Dinesh Kartik for wearing short sleeve shirts. <laughs> and obviously no wicketkeeper in the world ever should wear short sleeve no, shirts. No, it's a no-no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's almost... It, there's, there's such a, a, a breath of fresh air being kind of forced into English cricket through last year. I mean, obviously, 2005 was great, but we're now on a real high again. And mm. it's just a shame that this year has been tough. I mean, 
moving on to your school, obviously you sat there in what looks like a wonderful, um, wonderful room there at the school. Yeah. Um, how has 2020 and you know affected you and coaching kids and what have you? And how have the kids reacted to it? Right. So um, sometimes I feel a little bit guilty saying this because um, very often I'm asked about this with my um, colleagues at the school and stuff. But I feel very fortunate with cricket. And I'll tell you why, for a number of reasons. Um, one, we, we had a, a pre-season tour planned to Cape Town in February, which we, we got in. So as we got back, everything got, got locked down. So I thought, wow, that's seven, eight games in a season that no one else has got. Um, then during lockdown, we, I was given the uh, opportunity to uh, work with the players um, over Zoom and different things. Okay. And that actually was really helpful because it was a lot of one-to-one -one stuff. The players yeah. had to think slightly differently about how they were going to approach the game. It was something that you would never normally introduce in your, in your coaching program. But right. it was a welcome addition because players had to get totally absorbed with themselves and how they're going to look to approach the game. And I thought it was really useful. And then we had the, the nice news that we were allowed to play cricket again. The players who would normally go on holiday couldn't go anywhere. So they really got stuck in at their clubs. Yeah, so yeah. We had more students playing club cricket in end of July, August than ever. Yeah. And then to top it all off, we were allowed to play cricket at school for four weeks because none of the other sports could play. So, yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean? So I had... I felt as though our student body had a real good um, kind of some lashing of cricket uh, over a year that was kind of ruined by, and, and still quite tough now. Um, it's great. That they've, they've, yeah. You've obviously been able to show, you know, positive effects. And I guess for you to get your teeth into the opportunity, you know, to going through your career like you have, enjoying that background work and, and having to think about, okay, how can we coach these kids, but yeah. through this situation in a, in a different way, must have kind of given you that similar kind of opportunity again. Yeah, definitely. And there are definitely things from it that we will make sure we include in our full programme. Brilliant. Because, you know, sometimes you, you do do things and you do it the next year and the next year and you think it's working because everyone's enjoying it. But, I've never been scared to maybe introduce stuff and maybe I, uh, I probably was doing the same thing too, too often. So this has really reinvigorated myself and um, to, to strip the game back and look at it again. Fantastic. Yeah, great. I think, um, talking to Marlborough College, you, you've obviously now, uh, I think you're in process of planning for a new state of the art uh, development on site at the school for a cricket centre. <laughs> I'm smiling. I mean, you are true to a certain extent. Um, right. So, state of the art. We'll, we'll come back to that word again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, because the, the way this project kind of started, we, we've got, um, we were going to redo some of our outdoor nets. Right. Um, and then I thought, well, let's have a, some more nets, make it a real cricketing hub. Then the thought was, let, let's cover a few of them to make sure we can use it more often. Uh, so it's just going to be a basic cover, letting loads of light in. Yeah. So 
we're still not at state-of-the-art stage at this <laughs> um it was just meant to be a really functional space oh, okay so can play cricket for longer periods when the weather's a bit dank and um the light starts fading and that type of thing fine that's what oh, well, right. oh right <laughs> It seemed to have captured the the imagination of, of the people here. And the more we talked about it, the more, yeah, great. We can do this. We can do that. We can. So it's a slightly different project now than what it started. Out. Right, okay. I think the net result is we're going to have a fantastic facility. And Brilliant. very soon. Brilliant. That's amazing. I mean, so I got that. Um, no wonder my information may have been slightly skewed because I got that from Mervyn Ramsey of the Tabs that we both know well. Um, talking of the Tabs, obviously since playing and finishing, you have a, a real healthy involvement with them, which I know they're yeah. obviously massively appreciative of. What is it about what they do? Um, you know, we, we put an advert out, you know, trying to help people drive donations to the Tabs in each episode, but what... What, from your perspective, is great about the taverners and, and what they offer the wider society? Okay, so the taverners, um, uh, as you would have picked up from, from some of the, the threads and stuff, it, it's a very social group. And um, I quite like the, the sociability of catching up with some ex-teammates, ex-colleagues, and a lot of people from different industries, all with one real shared focus, which is... Um, trying to play a bit of cricket to raise some funds for what is an amazing cause. Um, so my initial involvement was just through friendships. Um, and then the, the place just grows on you, you know, what you do together, how you do it. And they do an amazing job. Um, and why it was very popular with me, I, I'm probably a fairly typical um, county cricket. I didn't have a lot of money, but I had a lot of time. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I felt as I could make more of a difference with my time yeah. rather than, you know, with yeah. a big fat donation. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, um, that's always resonated with me. If I've got time, I would donate it to the taverners. And, and that was my way of trying to make it uh, a kind of richer charity. Um, and help spread the word. Fantastic. I mean, we were talking before we start actually we started recording that uh, both in this WhatsApp Lords Taverners you know, players and officials group it's called, but it seems to be someone's birthday every year. I swear, like Gus Mackay's had fifteen birthdays so far this year, and just want those people to keep sending him cake. Oh uh, no, um, I feel really bad because I'm so miserable around kind of birthdays i think when once you get to 50 you've got to stop celebrating um birthdays um so i don't really reply on those threads but yeah. they do keep pinging at you <laughs> and now you think right okay <laughs> i'm gonna comment yeah the uh, talking of obviously you're 52 now you're playing you're still heavily involved with gloucester that was obviously very much your county yeah. um throughout your career um still playing some over 50s Managing, coaching, running all the fielding sessions. <laughs> fielding, you forgot this is over 50s. Yes, you don't do fielding yes. sessions. They're <laughs> like like best. Again, where they just yeah. distort it. Yeah, best when fresh is all. <laughs> no, on a serious note, um, I, I ended up playing for, um, some club cricket for Bedminster in, in my 
40s. I always thought I'd take up golf when I was 50 um, and, you know, kind of get my sporting fix that way. Um, end up playing club cricket in my 40s just because um, I stumbled across an opportunity, ended up at Bedminster where Tom Smith was playing for a while. Yeah. And um, I really liked it. So I, they, they were really trying to get into the Premier League. Um, and we got promotion that year. And they said, why don't you play another year? We need to go up one more level. Played one more year. We got to the Premier League. They said, right, why don't you help consolidate <laughs> or, or play? So you know how it goes. Yeah, of course. I ended up four or five years later still playing for Bedminster. But I was loving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Um, it wasn't fair. I couldn't quite make all the club practices and stuff. I could play on a Saturday and it didn't really sit that well with me. You can't just turn up on a weekend and play. But I still wanted to play cricket. So I, as I was approaching 50, um, I got a call and they said, well, then come and play for the Gloucestershire 50s. And it was the perfect answer, really. I, okay. they, they play competitively enough without it feeling like too much of a jazz hatter game. Yeah. But you still get that sociable fix. You still get the dressing room banter and everything that people miss. And um, it, it was just a, a really nice, it wasn't in terms of time, it wasn't too strenuous. No, it, it was a really good fit. Brilliant. Uh, I mean, obviously you, you're still uh, very fond of Gloucester and uh, the lads doing some great things down there this year, certainly more in, the, the, the last few years, that white ball team, certainly from a T20 perspective, has, has done some amazing things. Obviously, you know that through Woodstock, we sponsored three of the boys down there. I was really hoping this year that it was going to be Jack Jack's year, obviously taking yeah. from Maxi. Um, you know, you must be really proud of how the club has continued to grow since the success that you, you know, brought to the club initially throughout that kind of late 90s, early noughties period. Definitely. Um, you do look out firstly for, for Gloucestershire scores, of course. And and the general kind of rhetoric around the counties, you know, particularly when it comes to one day cricket, they they know Gloucestershire um is still a force. They've got some very destructive players that can take a game away from any opposition uh in county cricket and have been doing it now on a regular basis. Uh and they've now got a bowling unit that are of really starting to find themselves really consistent at what they do. The roles are obviously well-defined. Yeah. Um, and, and the way they play, you know, you know, it's, it's got a little bit of a, a swagger about it and they don't expect to lose, um, which seems to be, um, they seem to be in a good place with that. And I think what's really great too, that they're backing it up with some good four-day performances. Still not as consistent as they would love to be, but it, it is really tough, you know, combining all the comps with a, a smaller squad than most. So, oh, am I sounding like Jurgen Klopp? <laughs> uh, but, uh, it, it, all the injuries, yeah. <laughs> I, I think they would take a really good run in the 21 championship, four-day championship. If they've got a good run in that and some good one-day performances, I think they'll be really pleased with where they're at. Do you think, funny you talk about roles, um, you know, certainly from a captaincy point of view, how, how important do you think it is for a captain to define roles to their squad players? So, 
you know, especially those people who might be bouncing between the ones and the twos, for, for example? Yeah, I think having a, a kind of method of play is, is really helpful um, because by defining the role, you're not just defining the role to the player, it, it's to the rest of the team. People understand what to expect from you and if people have to make ground up, you know, a bit like a, I keep using football metaphors, but a bit like a defender covering someone else, you know, you, you know where you need to cover um, and you start to really understand each other as a group. Um, and I, I knew when we were at our best, guys would sit watching us, watching each other back, and they could almost predict what options they're going to take against certain bowlers. Not wow. that we were predictable, but they yeah. just understood each other so well. They think, right, he's going to exploit this now. He's going to go early. He's going to make sure he gets the mid on back. He's going to play the reverse to sort that field out. And wow. they thought through it all the time. And it's just people understanding their roles and understanding each other yeah. make, make competing on a daily basis much easier. Wow. Well, well I'm sure that, that insight alone will uh, all of the kind of amateur captains listening to this have, have you know, just learned something from an absolute master. Um, just before we go, do you want to talk a little bit more about Marlborough College, uh, where you are? It's out Swindon Way, I believe, but I mean, it's a, it's a phenomenal school. Uh, I'm not sure what the intakes are like, but I mean, there may be people listening to this that are potentially looking to uh, send the kids through the public school system. Yeah. Um, I mean, before I touch on that, can I just finish off a quick point on, um, on the roles thing and and this is where um, things like uh, bonuses and, and reward from, from the club can probably um, contradict sometimes what you're trying to do. For instance, if bowlers incentivize to get wickets, um, if that's not closely aligned to what you're trying to do with a team, when they bowl, they, they can be trying to get their bonuses. Yeah. Whereas you might just want them to bowl some dot balls and... and kind of keep it quiet for a while and that is where most of the conflict comes within teams uh, as a player is chasing their own goals outside yeah. of what's aligned to the team so it's really important to get that alignment correct with the club and we were fortunate yeah we got the plaudits on the field of course but we did have Colin Sexton at the time who bought into what we were doing um, in, in administration yeah. and made that transition much easier. Brilliant. I think it's um, it's really interesting you make that point, actually. When it, Toby, when we were talking to Toby Tarrant, he decided to have a year off one year because he, you know, cricket was ruining his Saturday social life. And then first game of the season arrives, he's playing FIFA in his pants at three o'clock in the afternoon, eating reheated pasta and questioning what he's doing because very quickly he realised that cricket is his social life in the summer yeah. because once you've grown up with it. And the, I think this is why I was asking earlier about, you know, I've had battles before where on a, what I presume to be a seamless wicket, if the spinner doesn't get a go, then he says, oh, I don't want to play next week. So I haven't had a go. I, I'm, and I think it's really important to try and get across to captains how best to, to perhaps nip those conversations in the bud or deal with them as soon as they possibly can. Yeah and make people realise that, well, it's not about you, mate. This is about yeah. the, the wider collective and how important that is. Yeah. And uh, 
the reason I brought it up because you mentioned the the amateur cricketers, guys playing club cricket. Yeah. Sometimes it could be at its worst then, and yeah. I saw it before my very eyes. We had a really good opening bowler at my club, and um, he was on wickets incentive, so he didn't want to bowl at the top order batters. <laughs> yeah. he, he, you know what I mean? He's like bowling two overs. Yeah, can I come back later and have a spell? I'm like. You know, you want your best bowlers bowling at the best batters. Yeah, 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 yeah. But obviously to get his bonus, he'd rather bowl at 8, 9, 10, 11. And there you got a bit of a problem. Yeah. It's, I, I've never, I'd never thought of it like that. That's incredibly interesting because, you know, there is money flying around in amateur cricket, whether people like to admit it or not. And there are bonuses out there for people. But, I, 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 yeah, that's, that's a real good insight that, you know, I'd never... Maybe because that's not how I'd think, no. or maybe because I'm not good enough to ever get any kind of incentive deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it could be either one of those. Um, so when they paid you to stay away, you didn't take that very seriously. Well, I've, made, I've, moved, I've moved to Nottingham from London. <laughs> so I lost my first team captaincy and got bumped in 300 miles up the road. Um, but uh, Mark, thank you, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, we obviously mentioned to you before about the five questions. Yeah. Um, now we, we try and make these as tough as possible, um, just because we want the charity to do okay out of it. Yeah. And as you know, one of the hosts will match, so we'll decide that later on. Um, but yours, I, I've got a feeling that I might do yours. I might have to match yours because I think it's my turn. So I've tried to make these slightly more palatable. Right. Um, your ODI debut at Brisbane, who got the most runs in the match from either side? Only one from either side. Right, okay. So it was pretty low scoring. It was reduced. I think we batted first, got about 170. So it was someone in the middle order, someone like Neil Fairbrother. So he was the England's one, but he was yeah. just tipped by... Michael Bevan. Uh, Michael Bevan, brilliant. I'm glad I'm, I'm, glad I'm matching you today. <laughs> right? I've not lost anything yet. Um, England won that game thanks to a man-of-the-match performance from one, of our, um, from one of our bowlers. Who was that? Alan Mullally. Correct? Yeah. Brilliant. Not the top order over. Mark Wall, Bill Chris, yeah. I can see, I mean, we can both see Eugene if you're on gallery view and he's shaking his head because <laughs> he's questions, right, which is brilliant. Um, what was your highest list A score? Um, one, three, four. Red Inca as well. One, yeah. three, four, correct. This is, this is class. Eugene with himself. Um, <laughs> What was your best bowling figures across any format? Wow, ah, right. Right, I, I don't know this to the exact thing, but I know, I think it's like the Oval, v Surrey, six for 60. Six for 49. Six for 49. Uh, close, but no cigars, that's too quick. <laughs> um, and how many, there's a really interesting stat I'll say about this afterwards, I was listed on Crick Info, but how many professional wickets did you take in your career? Ah. So that's ODI's uh, first class list A and T20. Right. So this is very tricky because I know I've got 415 in first class and 415 in list A. Yeah. 
Yeah. But the others I don't know. So I'm going to add on another 30. So let's go 870. 850. Oh! <laughs> right. right. The, oh, when I was looking at this, the way it's set out on their Crick Info is 10 ODI, 415, 415, and then 10 T20. It's just like the, the mirror image of it. I was just like, yeah. wow, that's like... Um, so four pounds, Mr. Elaine, I will, right. uh, I, I will trust you to send that over to Mr. Mervyn Ramsey on behalf of yourself to the Taverners. Uh, thanks so much like, to, to come on and talk to us about some of the you know, more tactically... Yeah. Um, I did captaincy stuff. It's, it's a pleasure to talk to you. It's obviously the first time we've met, but hopefully not the last. Um, but yeah, thank, thanks for so much for, for coming on to this song, innit, mate? Yeah, no, not at all. No, good stuff. That was enjoyable. That's good. Thank you very much. Looking for a new cricket equipment partner for yourself or your club can sometimes be tricky with so many options to choose from. How do you make the right choice? When you want quality, value and service, there really is only one place to start. For more than a decade, Woodstock Cricket have been producing award-winning, high-performance cricket bats from their Shropshire workshop. Matched with their classy soft goods, luggage and accessories, Woodstock Cricket really do tick all the boxes. Get in touch with Woodstock Cricket and find out why many loyal clubs, players and international customers can't be wrong at info at woodstockcricket.co.uk. Um, thank you there to our uh, partners, Woodstock Cricket, who um, for, for their continued support. Um, obviously, I mean, guys, brilliant insight from, from Mark Elaine there. Um, you know, it, I think it's interesting that he is a voice... You know, the younger people who, who may be listening to this might not know who he is, but I mean, what an influential character for English county cricket where he led that Gloucester side to some amazing things. But, you know, very few people will have had the understanding that he was a massive part of that white ball England setup from 2015 to 2019. And, you know, he, he, he talked about some amazing things there. Yeah, I, I think that was the best thing about it for me. He went from talking about the fact that obviously his playing career when he was at, at Gloucester and that Gloucester team without massive names at the time necessarily were incredible. They Jack Russell flying around behind the storms, they had all that kind of stuff going off. And and that was one of the first interesting points when he talked about those, the, um, I can't remember, we described it, the, the, all the factors that you can bring to the game when you, you're not actually bowling or batting or fielding. Oh, uh, the off-the-ball, yeah, off-the-ball stuff, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that was it, the off-the-ball stuff. Um, and then the fact that he's done it across levels was was the one for me. Like, he's, he's been involved with the England setup, and then he's done. He's involved with Gloucester, he's involved with his club side, he's involved with an over-50s, and he's he's got a mentality and a thought process and a way of doing things that obviously goes across all levels. And that's for what we want to do and the people we want to speak to. That's, I mean, having someone of that caliber saying you need to set your club up this way, you need to make sure it's like if, if I'm a club listening now and I've got an opening bowler that's on 20 pound a wicket, I'm changing that contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a what a cricketing mind! What a what a unbelievable mind from my point of view, from the conversation that was had with him in terms of how he 
the leadership skills that he did to make sure that people knew what their role was and that they had to trust the processes and the procedures that they'd put in place. Um, you know, you've just got to do what you've got to do to the best of your ability and you, you, you're going to win games. And, you know, people didn't question that leadership, which is why, to your point, Gloucester did as well as they did. And to some degree, I suppose you've seen that come through from England's point of view. You know, we were just yeah. talking about how well England are doing against South Africa at the moment. And, you know, there's so much trust and belief that they can win from anywhere, which is, you know, that that's part of their, their mental process. And I think that is the key word in, 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 in this whole conversation is it is, it's a mental game around that leadership and that belief and that trust. I think going back to, um, you just mentioned about tonight's game. So the on commentary on the sky commentary, I can't remember it was JP Dumney maybe was talking about how, Bairstow and Stokes at that point were like, I don't care who you are, I'm coming for you because that's our total, that's our target and that's that. we don't care how we get there, we're, we're coming for you. And I think that, you know, it is very much a mental game. I mean, I think it's really interesting that Mark, uh, recognising the value that he uh, brought, you know, very much off the field, forget his on-field stuff, in which he was a brilliant, brilliant exponent. Um, funnily enough, started as a wicketkeeper batter, uh, but then when Jack Russell was there and um, decided that he had to turn himself into a bowling uh, you know a bowling all-rounder um but the fact that he now is working at Marlborough College and is so passionate about helping these kids and he talks obviously about the, the did stuff on zoom and he did all this one he's obviously so passionate about the game but the the kind of future of the game as well I I, I really really enjoyed talking to him I think the, the the thing that came across to me was like you say it's a mental game and like looking at what can what can people take from this time that we're going through at the minute and that's that if you can mentally prepare yourself and so you can look at a situation and put yourself in situations and go right how am I going to approach this when I do get to an outdoor game so if, you, if you're sitting there and you're number five batter for your club team and go right this week I'm going to figure out how I'm going to do it some kind of green wicket we're 10 for three, what's going to be my thought process? Am I going to be a counter-attacker? Is that going to be my strength? Or am I going to be, right, I need to stick him through this to get to 20 overs and then we'll go from there. Mm. And that's everybody, everybody, no matter what stage of cricket they're at, can do that. They can, you can sit and go, right, this is the situation. We're 120 for two. I'm strolling out. There's five overs left. Where's my scoring zones? Like, that's funny. Anyone can do that. I had a um, it, it, just a, from personal experience, and I won't I won't mention names, but there was an occasion where we needed to. We were in a bit of trouble. Number eleven's gone out. Um, he's got an, he's got five balls left to block out the game for the draw. <laughs> or we uh, shall we draw and get seven points? <laughs> Huge knows this story. I do. Or we, and another or, person involved. <laughs> yeah, or we, or, or we, you know, lose the wicket and um, and we lose the game and get zero points so, or very few points or whatever. So first ball, half volley, bash. Now mid off takes an absolute blinder, right? But we've lost the game. So as captain, I'm absolutely spewing. He walks off. Oh, well, it was there for it. No, 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 no. And then a couple of other lads go, well, it's just the way he plays, isn't it? No! Like, 
Hey, you know, you think, and, and I found what Mark said about bowlers really interesting because as soon cricket is an individual sport within a team environment. And generally, if an individual does well, then the team uh, benefits from that. But think out, you, you know, people have got to think outside themselves for the greater good. And that's the way he plays or, you know, it was there to be it, Skip. Sorry, doesn't really cut it in those, in those situations. Now, look, the bloke who it is, I love him to death. He's a mate of mine. But in that situation, I was like, oh, seriously. Like, come on. And I couldn't really say... But the point I was trying to get to with Mark earlier was, because it's a lot more personal, I guess, when you play amateur cricket and it's with friends and people you have to look at, I think because professional sports maybe run a bit more like, okay... I'm in charge and you effectively work for me. I don't know. I've never been in that situation. But I think it's a bit more structured in the sense that if, if you try and rub against the grain a little bit, then you might struggle yeah. to retain your place or whatever. Whereas in amateur cricket, people are worried, captains are worried about blokes saying, oh, I'm not going to play next week because I didn't enjoy it. But like you said about when people got to realise it's for the greater good, something I really struggled with as a captain one day this year, my two spinners, who happened to be two young lads, one twenty-one, one eighteen, neither of them got a look in away at Worcester Park because the seamers did the damage. One of my lads got a hat trick, and they literally were both devastated that they hadn't got a chance to to prove themselves or whatever. And I felt really guilty about that, you know. And they made their feelings known, not by having I mean, saying it to me necessarily. They both said they were disappointed, but. You can just tell by their demeanour and their body language that, you know, they're, but they're annoyed for themselves. And that sometimes, my worry is that sometimes people worry more about their own Saturday rather than the wider benefit of the team. Yeah, it's somewhat, um, I think it's a conversation that all clubs and all sides within clubs have got to have at the start of the year, yeah. uh, before the start of the year, that clubs have got to decide what they want to be. Do they just want to be a social side where people rock up and everyone gets a go and you can't have a guy that bats three and balls first change? Or do you want to be a winning side? Do you want to be... And, and to be fair, um, a friend of ours who's the captain at our cricket club, Sam, he sat down first early doors this season. It was a very truncated season. And he asked all the young lads, like, what sort of a side do you want to be? Yeah. Like, just to get that mentality, like, what do you want to do? And and they came out, they said some a lot of very good things, and and that was like, right. And so after the game, after the last game of the season, you flipped it on them and went, right, do you think we were that? And we'd done all right. We got to the final of the, of the league thing. We looked at we got beat in the final by a team that have got 18,000 first-class runs. Like, they're yeah. a very, very good team. But... And they went, yeah, yeah, we, we stuck by each one of those points that we made. And that, for me, is when, when you can then look back and then you're judging success again, aren't you? That's your judgment on success. Have you carried out and played in a way that, bless you, huge, um, that, that you wanted to and have the people got what they wanted to out of it? I think it was really, I mean, obviously... I'm now new to, so we're now going to play at the same club with me. Obviously, I've been moved up to kind of the, the area. 
Um, and I found it really interesting that our first first team squad meeting for the 2021 season happened in the first week of October. And it, and I was a little bit like, oh, I'm not, I, you know, it, maybe it's a bit early. But then when we had that, we had it, obviously had it over Zoom. I thought, Oggy, the, the skipper, like, you know, what he, he actually spent more time talking about last year. But OK, what are we going to take from last year into next year? Brilliant. I, I think that obviously with the problems that we faced this year and obviously not playing enough cricket, I think that um, I would implore, and I know my old club are doing it, um, uh, trying to get together before Christmas to have like a proper meeting about, OK, let's reassess and reset goals for next year. Um, because I think a lot of problems come about, whereas if you don't then rework your goals, then you'll never, you, you'll struggle to achieve anything. And obviously with no proper league anywhere really this year, goals will kind of just flown off into the distance and you do, every club needs to kind of reset their own goals for next year because this, it's all, it will have been 18 months since they played any proper cricket. And so it'll be like a whole new experience again. Um, but yeah, th- thanks to, thanks to Mark. Um, I, I, you know, Eugene, you were there with me on it. I, 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 brilliant, brilliant insight and conversation with him this afternoon. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And, and yeah, really enjoyed it. it. Was like I said, you know, what he, what he, what he brought, and you know, I, I forget the name of the club that you guys play at now. Must be, uh, must be a very good club though. But culturally, that's what, um, that's what sides need in order to win cups and trophies. You know, having that, everyone's brought into the same culture and the same ethos. You're not going to lose many games, and if you do, you're still going to be able to hold your head up high. Yeah. Yeah. What is the uh, name of the club again? Uh, Papal Gimlimby. That flows yeah. off the tongue nicely. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be three or four lads, three pretty big lads, uh, you know, on the fringe of the ones, and if they're not in the ones, in the twos next year, that is going to be some kind of formidable bowling attack. Um, we'll make half decent back row. Half decent back row. I like that. <laughs> we're all thirty-five plus, and we're in we're in shape because round is a shape. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, brilliant lads. Really enjoyed it again. I think the new format of the kind of the start, the middle, and the end seems to be working, and it's great that we can then talk about the of interview afterwards obviously it won't be the same every week we've got some amazing guests that are looking forward to coming on and, and spending an hour or an hour and 15 minutes with us throughout the entire thing which is great um but just before we go uh simon any final thoughts from you i'm uh, just looking forward to the uh the cricket that's coming up with some good cricket coming up uh, obviously england and south africa and um i did watch a game from the lanka premier league the other this this morning that was uh it's not quite ipl but there's some good players playing in it and it's some pretty good cricket so i mean there's loads of cricket to watch and and be a part of and and for us to talk about and another thing for me is just again a massive thank you for the response that i've had from the one last week but um now keep it coming listeners let us know what you think let us know what you want to talk about i've had some people ask if we're going to talk about sledging uh, yeah, at some point. Topic, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you, um, you're South African, so we'll be uh, we'll let him lead that conversation. All over that like a bad rash. Yeah, huge. Uh, anything from you, just to finish up? Yeah, I suppose uh, two things from me. Um, the first is we are still 
wanting your stories to give away the the nice cricket bat that Woodstock is um, is going to be providing on the tenth, and we're going to obviously talk about those stories. So please remember to uh, send us that at info at sloginit.co.uk or co.uk, depending on which way you want to go. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really glad that we're in tier two um, as of Wednesday. So yeah, oh, or as of yesterday when you're listening to this, where are you guys? Uh, yeah, so we're, you can um, yeah just jump on your boat there, Eugene, because we're both in tier three. Uh, we've arranged a little bit of golf uh, when we're both available uh, next weekend, uh, which is nice. So Simon, very much looking forward to that. I'm also going to try and get out with Simon's dad in the week. Um, yeah, a couple, couple of, just a couple of last bits from me. Uh, YouTube, I, it's the first thing I'm going to say this week because I kept forgetting last week and got in loads of trouble with Eugene pointing at me on the screen. Um, don't forget to rate us, like us, subscribe. Um, all the feedback's amazing. Look, just stay in touch. Keep telling us what you want to hear. Uh, the sledging thing's brilliant. Look, ideas, look, this is, we're doing this, but we're doing it for you. So we want to hear what you want to hear about. Who do, who do you want us to try and get on? Like, you know, what, what stuff matters? What stuff are you finding interesting? What stuff do you want to hear less about? Um, you know, it is... It, we, we're not here to dictate. We're here to listen and uh, and, and then kind of adapt to, to to you guys as the the audience. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, really looking forward to you to your continued support. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Cheers, Jonah. Cheers, Si. Cheers, boys. Right, I really need a poo. I'll be back in a minute. (laughs) Sports Social Podcast Network. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.